Welcome to Between the Waves, a podcast all about how to create sustainable mental health to help you find a little bit of space between your waves. I'm your host, Hannah. Today, I'm joined by Colleen Huntley, a woman with an incredible story of overcoming physical and mental health issues to build a business aimed at helping others. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, I was blown away when I heard your story and how you've rebuilt your life. And I know it will help so many others out there. I hope so. I really do. I'm 26 at the moment and I have a one-year-old daughter and lovely husband. But it hasn't been easy at all to get to where I am now. When I was very, very young, I've always wanted to be a midwife. So when I was uh, at school, obviously I'd done my A-levels and then it was, everything was just going perfect. I had an offer for university and I honestly thought everything was going to be perfect. It was just great. I was enjoying it. Life was fantastic. But then I had a bit of a, a, bit of a freak accident, I suppose, um, which left me with some quite severe spinal injuries. Um, I, was only, I was only 17 at the time and I needed to have two spinal surgeries. So I, again, just thought, OK, get through your A-levels. You've been given an option to get into university. You can do this. You'll get better. Operations fix things. But um, sadly, it didn't. And after the second operation, I was left bedbound for over a year. I was only 18 at the time. And that's sort of when depression sort of started seeping in, I suppose. I didn't know much about depression. I just thought, I just felt sad. But what I was really, really struggling to get to grips with was that I was grieving. I was grieving for everything I was losing at that time. So obviously, I thought that I would still be a midwife. But then that was just taken from me. And when I was stuck in a room, you know, I was young, I was seeing my friends, my family, everybody I'd known my whole life, going about their life, you know, going to university, getting their dream jobs, going out on dream holidays. And this person who I used to be, this fun, happy, bubbly person, I felt was just wasting away in, in a room. I was in a lot of pain. I think that was a massive, massive pa- like impact on my mental health and a massive factor was that I was in severe pain. And it was hard to look at a day and think positive when you wake up in pain, you go to sleep in pain. So I was dealing with that, dealing with the pain. And then I was just thinking, what, what am I supposed to do now? I didn't have any direction at all. And, I, and I, I didn't, I'd give up everything, everything I'd had, I'd lost. So I was very, 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 very lucky to have my husband. He's fantastic. And he's been with me now for 12 years. And he stuck by me the whole time, but I couldn't help but think I was this massive burden on him and my family, which made the depression worse. After, I think it's about seven months after being bedbound, or while, while being into bedbound, actually, I was taken into hospital. I had lost all sensation from my waist down. I was practically paralysed. I just, I, I couldn't, could not see a way out. And I remember feeling as low as I did that I felt like everybody would be better off without me. I remember wheeling myself into the bathroom in the hospital, And that was it. I was thinking, that's it. Today's the last day for me. And it was just strange that my mum, my mum had walked in from the hospital. She wasn't meant to be there that day. And she had came in and she had stopped me. And she had sat me down and and just explained what I was going through. It wasn't normal. It wasn't okay. I didn't have to go through it on my own. I wasn't a burden. And things started to change. About two years after all of the main issues of my accident, I had to learn how to live a life in a wheelchair. That was, that was crazy. That was hard. But again, I had my husband. I had my mum, who are fantastic people. But I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have a career. I just felt like I was this burden. It was getting worse and worse. The pain wasn't easing. And my depression got worse again. 
I'd got married at the age of 20. I remember vividly thinking, if I can't be a midwife, then I can be a mum. And I remember on our honeymoon, I was taken poorly. I was in America and I was taken very poorly. And when we got home to the UK, I found out that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I didn't know what this was. I didn't know what it meant. And after a couple of years, I started to research. And that's when I found out that I couldn't have children naturally. I'd need to have fertility treatments. Okay, IVF, you need IVF. That's, that's what you need. That's your only option. I went through round after round and I had um, a couple of miscarriages, a couple of failed cycles. I was actually hospitalised after my second round of IVF um, and almost had died from ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Before my accident, I would volunteer a lot. I volunteered with amazing children with additional needs. I used to volunteer at Garfield Hospital, maternity units. Things like this were so fulfilling to me and that helped with my mental health, but only during the time I was there. So when I would come home, it would just sink in that I was alone. I was, I was the burden then. I, I needed help. But I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get it. So two weeks later, we spoke to the doctor. And straight away, the doctor said, OK, let's try a few things. <laughs> so from then, I started having some counselling. I had CBT and I was put on a form of antidepressant. Certain things would help. I found the talking therapies were quite helpful. But it was, I think, because I knew something was missing, I could never fully throw myself into it. So we went and had a full round of IVF up in Cardiff. <laughs> we were so lucky that it worked. This time it worked and it gave us the most amazing, amazing little girl called Phoebe. And she is everything. That She's just made me the person I am now. She, it was as if when she was born, this new perspective was put on me. This new, like new eyes, I suppose. I could see everything different. That isn't to say my depression's gone or my anxiety's gone, but it's given me a new lease of life. And I think it could be anything. Every single person in this world has one thing, one thing that could make them feel this way it could be a, a child it could be a pet it could be a family member a job but I think every single person just needs to find it and when they find it it's just the most amazing feeling because you want to do better for that reason that person that animal but for yourself and for the first time I wanted to do something for me I wanted to get out of this depression I wanted to become the best mum I could be and I wanted to become a businesswoman I wanted to give my daughter something to be proud of I wanted to prove a point that just because I was disabled, just because I'm in a wheelchair, it doesn't mean that I can't have a life. I can't be a powerful, strong, independent woman. And I can't be a brilliant mum. I needed to find something that I could love, something that I could, I could really jump into and do along with my, alongside my disabilities. So something I could do part-time, I could do a few hours here, a few hours there. And something that's quite flexible around my mental health, my anxiety and my disabilities. I got qualified in makeup artistry. I've done a big course because I thought at university I can do makeup artists free work on the side of uni and it would help me pay for some funds and pay, pay for you know my living. But because I didn't go into that route, I never thought anything of it. I just ignored it, put it to one side. So I was looking at makeup again and microblading and it, it was something about it. I think it was the fact I could transform somebody. I could make someone feel so beautiful, so empowered by something is small and it can sound so insignificant to some, but eyebrows. Something that can make somebody, can just give some confidence. It makes them feel that they can get out of bed and they can look in the mirror and they can see that they're beautiful. And I think when I was at my lowest, I noticed these things more. I noticed people were struggling with mental health because of appearance. And it, people would say it's shallow, it's, it's vain, but it's not. It's something that you can control. 
And the way I see depression and anxiety is if you can control something, then you have the control of it and you can help yourself. You can do things. Why not? If you can do something which you, makes you happy and it's safe and it's safe for others, then why not? So I got fully qualified in microblading in December 2019 and I now own my own business which is named after my daughter Phoebe Grace, Grace Beauty Limited and it's something that is a new life, it's a new way for me, it's something that I never thought I could do and now I'm here, I'm hoping to be qualified in the next year or two in specialist semi-permanent makeup artistry such as helping ladies who've had breast cancer, warriors of breast cancer, those who have lost their areolas, those who've went through chemotherapy and lost their eyebrows or alopecia and lost their hair. And I would love to help these people feel empowered, to feel that they are the warriors that they are, that they have overcome everything that they have and to feel strong and beautiful, which everybody should feel like, but you just need a little bit of help sometimes. Wow. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing your story. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. I think what you're doing now is fantastic and something that many people wouldn't naturally think about unless they've been in that kind of situation or know someone who's going through one of those illnesses that just because some people might dismiss how you look in Mm -hmm. in terms of having an impact on your mental health but it can be massive oh definitely It, it totally can and and just by being able to face yourself in the mirror is something that through depression a lot of people can't do so anything to help with that it is wonderful isn't it I think like you just said a lot of people struggle with that and it's something that isn't spoken about a lot you know people struggle to look at themselves but they think it's not important it's vain or it's it's something that it just is insignificant where it's not if, if you're struggling to look at yourself you have problems accepting yourself then you're never going to get to a good place you need to accept yourself and love yourself first and something as small as doing something for yourself be it a facial putting your makeup on if it makes you feel better it's one small step in the right direction oh absolutely and for me that goes back to some of the stuff you were saying earlier around you were grieving the life that you were leaving behind and concerned about being a burden on the people around you and and that all feeds into that feeling of of not being worthy of anything and feeling that actually you know you need a bigger solution instead of all the the small steps that we can take each day you need something groundbreaking to make it all better I think you know a a lot of us who struggle with our mental health be that depression anxiety or, or something else regardless of whatever else we've got going on in our lives you know we grieve for the person that we know we are inside and that and that we feel that we want to be able to put out in the world but can't because of our illness. I mean, that it's, it's, you've just sort of hit the nail on the head. When, obviously before my accident, I was, I've always been a curvy woman. I've always been a sort of 12, 14 size. I had some curves, but then because of the PCOS, I didn't know at the time that it, it can have problems of weight gain. So to keep my weight at a steady sort of, like sort of keep it very like on on point not trying to gain too much or lose anything I had to be very very active so when I had had my accident and I was bed bound for the year I actually gained um seven stone and I remember avoiding mirrors at all cost 
because inside there was this person who wanted to swim 60 laps a day a person who wanted to walk on the beach who wanted to walk and run and, and just take the dogs for a walk and when I looked at myself I could see this person who was seven stone heavier who was just so unhappy but they weren't it was as if I was trapped in the wrong body my head wasn't it was as if I was I was in the wrong body I was in the wrong frame of mind because it, it, I felt like it wasn't me and then it took a long time I lost um I lost the seven stone and I thought okay I'll be okay now if I do this and I'll do that it'll make myself feel better because surely that will make me feel better but you need to find something that is like you said is so groundbreaking that it will push past everything and make you love yourself in without changing how you look if you want it it makes you feel better brilliant but you need to be able to have something there that just makes you look in that mirror and be so happy and confident in yourself without thinking I have to do this I have to do that does that make sense it really does <laughs> it, it's so difficult isn't it but when you I, I really really relate to that feeling of I'm not in the right body or this isn't my brain this isn't how I how I should be thinking this isn't what I want to be saying or putting out into the world and that just that feeling of being stuck somewhere that you don't belong is is really difficult to kind of manage and, and to navigate your way through and I think I think a lot of us look externally for that solution you know oh if I lost some weight or oh if I changed my hair or you know if I got a new job it will help my mental health feel better and and yeah probably all of those things can can help your mental health but mm-hmm. but actually it's about finding that peace within yourself you know it's Definitely. going down through the clouds of the depression and going oh actually I'm pretty amazing because I'm dealing with all this exactly yeah and and being able to kind of celebrate yourself and and just you know not through it necessarily any massive sort of you don't have to throw yourself a party or or anything like that (laughs) but but those those small things that you can do every day like saying a kind word to yourself in the morning or you mentioned things like journaling that can be really helpful Mm -hmm. and just you know those tiny steps that you can take each day even if it's just something really really small and you don't manage to do it every day you know as a starting point that's that's something that everyone everyone can achieve isn't it Exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the small things, things that it could be a picture. It could be that, you know, you wake up in the morning and take a picture outside your window. And just every day it reminds you that you're still here. Every day is a new day. You can forget the next, you know, forget the day before. That's not a problem. If it's a bad day, forget it. But you can look out the window and have a picture every single day. And something as small as that just reminds you that you've got through them. And then when you look back and you see 365 photos, you say, I've done a year. I've done a year more than what I thought I could have at my lowest point. That's amazing. I love that idea. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And something that's that's definitely achievable. I really love the thought of being able to look back and go, oh yeah, that's <laughs> X number of days more than I thought I could could manage. And exactly. I, I'm still here and the world is still happening. The seasons are still <laughs> changing. And oh, I love that idea. That's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you feel good when you're at your lowest and you really feel like there's nowhere else for you in this world. When you look back at that and it's just so empowering to see that you are here and you've done those days, it is just the best feeling and that is something that I add into my journal almost every night I put in there a little picture it could be of outside my window or it could be of me out the window it could be anything at all and it's just a reminder that every single day I have done it you learn every day you learn something new and all those days makes up and you can go I've been here I've done that I'm strong and that really really helps you I think it really does 
Yeah, that's wonderful. The other thing I wanted to pick up with you is, is you talked about medication. And yes. it's really difficult, isn't it, to talk about medication? Because I still feel like mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of stigma around taking antidepressants. And yeah. even if that stigma comes from within yourself, so I, I currently take medication and mm-hmm. I really struggle to think about it as anything other than a stopgap. You know, I'll take this for a few months and then I'll feel better. And when mm-hmm. I realised that actually I, I can't, cope without taking them you know I'll try and come off them and it won't go very well and I'll have to make the decision to get to go back on them it's Mm -hmm. really it's a really difficult thing to deal with when I feel like it's still really hard to talk about in public I I agree 100% with that wholeheartedly it's a very very hard thing because people people still associate with happy pills they think oh an antidepressant's happy pill and it's it's not it's an aid and it can help you but I've been where you've just said where I thought oh I'm doing really good I can come off them now. And I didn't realise how much they had helped me until they had come out of my system and I could realise how low I, how I felt. It was just, I was struggling to deal with things. But I think as long as we feel some sort of stigma towards them, like you said, ourselves. So when I was pregnant and I was asked, are you on them? And I had said yes. And I had felt so ashamed. I remember feeling so ashamed that I was on them. And I said to um, the midwife, yes, I am, but I can come off them. I can come off them for you. If, if, if when I hurt my child, I will get off them. And I remember her saying, if it helps you, then it will help your baby. Obviously, certain medicines can be more dangerous than others. But they put me onto a medicine which was the safest during pregnancy because they had said, why should you be put in a place where it, you're at risk? You're putting yourself at risk. Why You're doing something to help yourself. It's like somebody's got high blood pressure. They take medicine to help with that. It's an aid they wouldn't feel guilty about helping themselves. They're taking some genetic medicine, which can help them. Just because it's mental health doesn't mean it's any less important than physical health. And I think that really, really needs to get into people's heads sometime and really understand that it is. It is just as important as physical health. And we shouldn't have to think, oh, oh, it's, it's antidepressants. It's a bad thing. It's not. I just don't see that as any different than physical. And that's just my opinion. I totally agree, though. And I think if we can get to a point where people feel more comfortable talking about it, we, we might even get to a point where, you know, we understand fully the, the implications around antidepressants, because certainly it's my experience. And I know a number of other people feel this way, that often you, you go to the GP and they give you one and then and you start taking the tablets and mm-hmm. the side effects are horrendous or they don't seem to be working. And you can go through a number of different medications before you find the one that works for you and and I think some of that conversation could be really helpful for people who perhaps have tried one and had a bit of a bad experience and and Mm -hmm. therefore don't want to go and try anything else when actually there could be something out there that could be really helpful oh definitely it is definitely trial and error and I think because it's where people a lot of people think one size fits all and it and that isn't the case yeah uh, that's so true I, I completely agree and and I guess sometimes it's potluck isn't it about how how good your GP is and how much they know about different <laughs> options and it's Definitely. and it's, it's partly about not being afraid to ask somebody else and, and see different people mm. and, and ask more than once you know which can be really difficult if you're not in a great place Oh, definitely. Yes. The other thing I just wanted to talk to you about was that you've mentioned journaling and your fabulous photo idea. So in the evening, I'll put down anything that happened that day. It could be any, it could be one sentence and that'll be it from the whole diary entry. Or it could be pages and pages. But I always try to put a positive at the end. Um, And it could be something as small as, you know, 
I was out with Phoebe today and she said a different word today. It could be something so, so tiny and insignificant to some people, but it could, it's just something positive. And I think going to bed, thinking of a positive, just, just helps. it just helps you put you in a right frame of mind for the next day and for helping you to sleep. If I wake up in the middle of the night or I can't sleep, I like to read back through the diary so I can look at the photos I've put on and it just sort of calms me down. It stops me thinking, overthinking, and I can just sort of rest and relax them. So I, honestly, I, I couldn't recommend a diary and photos any more than I already do. That's so fantastic. And I love the fact that you use it as a tool in the night when you can't sleep. I think, you know, there are so many people out there who struggle with, with sleep and just having something positive to look back on is, is such a yeah. lovely idea. <laughs> fantastic you need to do things that make you happy always take time every single day it could be two minutes sitting outside your front door it could be you know a minute in the shower longer than you normally would have just something for yourself every single day is little things it's just give and take and not putting too much pressure on yourself I think that is the biggest thing to remember you can't do it all oh that's such good advice we're all a bit prone aren't we of putting too much pressure on ourselves (laughs) and trying to fix the world in one day (laughs) (laughs) exactly oh so thank you it's been wonderful to talk to you my last question is when I ask everybody because when we're struggling with our mental health it can feel really overwhelming and like we have to change all our lives in the course of just a couple of days so if there was one thing so if somebody could change one thing what would it be that you'd recommend I think it would be sitting down and trying to learn the difference between impossible and difficult at my lowest point everything had just felt impossible to me and I think a lot of people who's depressed can can feel the same way everything just feels impossible I remember sitting and thinking I had no power control or sort of any confidence over anything but then one day I just I was playing I I love music and I just put some of my favorite music on and I remember sitting there and just singing along to this music and then I thought I have control it was so small but that was some control I could put that music on it wasn't impossible so I had it on I was happy I remember being happy for the first time in such a long long time and even though it was so small that was my first step and I think everyone has to remember to get to that second and third and fourth step you have to take the first step and you need to get to that point where you remember is it impossible or is it just difficult which one is it and then if you have control then it's difficult you can do whatever ever you need to do it could be just put music on and dance around the house something that makes you feel good but honestly just knowing the difference between impossible and difficult is the biggest thing I could tell tell somebody oh thank you that is absolutely brilliant advice it can all feel very overwhelming and it can all feel completely impossible can't it until we just take a little bit of time take some deep breaths and just (laughs) think what in reality you know what do I have control of oh thank you that's fantastic you're more than welcome Oh, thank you so much, Colleen. It's been wonderful to talk to you today. And I know that there'll be so many people out there who are inspired by your story and who have taken away some really practical tips to help themselves get better. I hope so. I really do. Thank you for having me today. Oh, no, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. So you can find Colleen's beauty business, so Grace Beauty Limited on Facebook. And she's also shared her email address, which I'll put in the show notes for us. I'll also try and find out the name of that journaling app because I think that'd be fabulous too. (laughs) Thank you so much, Colleen. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you. What an incredible story and some great tips. I love the idea of taking a photo each day and looking at what's in your sphere of control, taking small steps to feel better, things like getting dressed, doing your makeup or listening to music. Thanks, Colleen. Let me know what things you're doing to keep yourself well over on Facebook and Instagram at Between the Waves Pod. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it's ready and to help other people find us. See you next time.